Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today I'm excited to have another edition of our Gen X versus Millennial Mindset series and I'm excited to have Sarah Marie back on the podcast with me. Hello, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. People are really enjoying this series and hearing the different perspectives on just what's happening in life and the various stages that we're both at in life. And today, actually, we're going to talk about our approach to employment. I feel like people like this series because it's like an outlet for them to hear other people argue with their kids and they know that they're not alone in that. <laughs> I think it's a really great opportunity for you and I just to have conversations that we don't necessarily always have. And I am very curious about your mindsets because they're so significantly different than mine. And I want to understand, even though sometimes they're challenging and they're frustrating, and I know you and your generation, all of us feel the same way. So I think this is a great outlet. Thank you for that. Of course. And I feel like it's important for my generation as well to hear everyone else's perspective. I feel like my generation often gets stuck in an echo chamber, whether it be through their algorithms that they exist on online, and we only ever hear exactly what we want to. So to be able to sit down and speak with someone else and have a real conversation, I think is really important for millennials as well. Yeah, great. Excellent. So today we're going to cover employment and our approaches to employment or making money or careers or whatnot because they're very, very different. Yes. Just to paint a picture, my approach and most of my generation's approach to a career or employment was to get a job, work at a company like a good girl for 30 years, get a couple of promotions and play by all the rules. I was a very good corporate puppet and I got my 2% increase every year to cover the cost of living. And if I was a really good girl, maybe some years I got 5%. And there's definitely pros and cons to that. And I would never not be grateful for the career that I had or the life that I was able to provide you all through that career. But I know that that you have zero intention of applying for work at any company and being handcuffed by them for 20 years. And even if you did sign up for a corporate job or not self-employment in this case, if you didn't like it, you'd leave. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right. And I do, I do see myself in the future working in a corporate position again. We've talked about it a little bit, and it's something we can explore in the future. But I, I'm interested in going back to school, maybe getting another degree or a master's in something, and taking a completely another separate career. But that is the thing about, I think, my generation is we don't want to take one job and be in it forever. I think we can live a thousand lifetimes within our one, and we can do that within our careers and just expand rather than sitting behind the same desk, seeing the same people for 20 years, punching in the like time card. We just, mm -hmm. it's not part of our vision. The reason I did what I did though, and what drove me was security. So it was safe. 
and I knew what paycheck I was getting every two weeks. I knew what opportunities were available to me, whether I wanted to move into a supervisory position or into training or something else. And I knew that I could, you know, be a supervisor, be a manager, be a director, be a vice president. There was a very defined path. And you knew that if you worked hard and you played by the rules, you could probably start to climb the corporate ladder and you would be rewarded for that. So that felt safe to me. And as we've talked about in our money mindset episode, I obviously had some issues surrounding money and being insecure around money and being able to provide. So I really, really needed the safety. So when I hear you say, I'll just do something else or I'll try something else, doesn't it scare you about your ability to provide for yourself and your future family? Uh, Yeah, it does actually. And that's been something I've been thinking about a little bit lately. It has been on my mind that like, whoa, maybe I won't be able to provide the life that my parents were able to provide me. And that does stress me out. But I don't know if that's specifically due to my career because I feel, like we talked about before, if I needed money, I would pick up more shifts at Go Italian or I would upload more digital downloads. I would find a way. There's There always seems to be a way to get more money. Um, I think it's just for me, like in my generation, more the economy. And things are not looking as bright as maybe they were in the golden years of the 80s when you could buy a house for $100,000. Gas prices went up eight cents last night again. Like things like that, I think, worry me more than the actual opportunity to make money. Because there's lots of jobs, but the cost of living is highly increasing. Okay. And if you tried something and you didn't like it, you would just try something else. Would you imagine yourself ever staying somewhere you were miserable? No. I And I say that hesitantly because I have stayed in jobs that I was quote-unquote miserable in, but for a year. Like, I've literally never been employed somewhere longer than – shop dresser's been my longest career, and that has been three years. But prior to that – the longest job I had ever been in was like a year and a half. Like it was like, that was, I always just kind of tried something new or maybe it was because I was young. I was on contracts or had an internship or whatever it was. There was always an end date. So it gave me a little more flexibility to say, okay, maybe I hate this in the moment, but I'm done in two months. Like this contract's almost up. And so I am in my early adult years, but I think in the past, It was more about, yeah, getting a job, climbing the corporate ladder. And I think now with the opportunity, people job hop a lot Mm -hmm. in my generation. So we start with one corporation and let's say we make $40,000 a year. Someone offering the same service, I can say, okay, I'll come to you. Offer me 45. They offer me 45. I jump over there. Go to another company. Okay, offer me 50. And so it's interesting. I don't know if that's something that you ever saw people doing in your generation or if it was solely internal or maybe it's just now that we have access to more information and I know what company B is offering because I can go into indeed.com or Glassdoor and see exactly what they're offering there. Right. So if I, there were people who went to other companies and yes, it did happen, but it also was not unusual for people to, I'd be at a table and say I had been at a company 20 years and I was the newbie. Crazy, <laughs> right? So, there were people who were there for 30 years or 40 years or whatnot, and that's a long time. And in our time, mostly if you started looking for another job, 
it would be within to start at least, and you'd have to have been really unhappy or actually moving out of the area to seek employment outside of the organization. There would be times when you either didn't like the role you were in or the person you were directly reporting to, and in most cases, I sucked it up. Like There were certainly people that I enjoyed reporting to more than others, and I always kind of thought, well, this is a season, and it too will pass, and in corporate world, everybody gets reshuffled every 18 months anyways, so you would probably get a new boss within 18 months. So it just was a lot of patience, but there was definitely times that were much harder than others, but it would never have crossed my mind to leave. So I couldn't leave. I had two children to raise and eventually put through university. And I had, at the end, you know, six weeks vacation and a nice cushy salary and a good pension and benefits. And I actually like to call them like corporate handcuffs. Yeah. Because there was too much to walk away from, even if you didn't like what you did on a day-to-day basis or the person you did it for. And maybe that has to do... Maybe I'll get there. It, it is very possible, but I'm 27. I have no kids. I have no mortgage. Very, not because I own a house and it's paid off. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I pay rent. Um, I have less responsibilities right. than you did at 27. And I think because my generation is pushing things later in life, we have more time on the front end to kind of be flexible about our careers and figure out what we really want to do rather than just jumping into something because we got married at 22 and had a kid right away because that's what our boomer, what are your parents? Boomers. Boomers. Because our boomer parents told us to do because they got married at 18 and had kids by 19. And so maybe we're just having more of the exploratory years on the front end before we end up with a mortgage and kids. And I know there's obviously people in my generation who are already in that phase of life, but I don't know anyone in my direct friend group who has kids yet. I know one or two people who are married or engaged, and that would be a far cry from you at 27. Oh, I had my first child at 27, and I was into my first house two years already. And how many of your friends were married, had kids, and were in their life? Into most of them. Yeah. yeah, Of my immediate friend group. Interesting that you said that you're into your exploratory years now because through this, you've heard most of the people my age are now in their exploratory years. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's something interesting in that you're doing that in your 20s. And because we were very different in our 20s, we're now doing it in our 50s. Because we've got that freedom. So we're having our quarter-life crises yes. just early. We're just getting it over early yes. so we can figure out what we want to do long-term. Because we won't be able to retire. Right. So maybe that's what's happening here is we know there will be no pension for us. Right. So we need to explore, travel, do all the things now that you guys talk about doing in your retirement. Right. So It's interesting. Yeah, I'm I actually just about that thinking about a little bit, you know, I think it's interesting that, yeah, you guys are exploring and chasing your dreams and being authentically who you are. And those of us who in our 20s were already into, you know, a, a box, let's call it a corporate box or whatever our lives looked like, because we had heavy responsibilities and we were taught just, you know, be a good girl and collect your paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always matter if you're happy or loving it, just do what you got to do now feel like on the other side, okay, now I can go play with some things and explore and 
do things that I actually quite enjoy. And now I feel like I'm at a place that if I don't enjoy it anymore, I'm not doing it. it and that's how we are now. Right. So we're just doing that on the front end. But I'm curious to, I feel like there's so many options now for my generation, especially with remote work. I could have a job in Thailand and like still commute online from Kingston every day and have that job. Like there's just so much to explore. When you were in your 20s, in the 90s, was there a, an option to not have kids or was it just like everyone has kids and everyone gets a house and that's the end of it? Well, there's always been an option. There, okay, there, yeah. There is a way to prevent it. Yes, there is. <laughs> I a, taught you about that, didn't I? You did, yes. <laughs> that is why I'm 27 with no children. That's so why I did a good job. You taught me well, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, there was definitely an option. Everybody picked their own path, but I would say the majority of people that I know and knew at that time you know, you just did what you did. You know, you found your mate and you got engaged. You bought a house. You popped out a couple of kids. Some of those people got divorced. 50% of those people <laughs> got divorced. 50% got divorced. And, you know, you went along about your merry way. Do you think people are happy? Well, 50% were not. Yes. But least. even like career wise, do you think, do you think that was the right decision? To I'm gonna, I can only speak to myself. Sure. So I was happy. I was happy for 95% of my corporate career and everything comes to an end. Sure. So the last 5% wasn't pleasant, but anything that ends always gets messy for a little while. I find it's funny though. And yeah, it's great that you're saying you enjoyed your career and growing up, it always seemed like you enjoyed your job, but you always hear people saying like, oh, I can't wait for Friday or like, oh, I gotta go like the old ball and chain, my wife. Like there's so many like sayings culturally of people just like hating their lives. Yeah, I hate those things. I, I know it doesn't. I like. I hate when someone says like, "Oh, you know, the old ball and oh, chain." Oh, if Dad ever called me that, I would kick him. Yeah, he never would. He never would. But he's obsessed he... with you. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> but I. There's so many sayings that we just accept right. that people are like, it's totally cool to just hate your life and live for the weekend. And what is like the the statistic that if you're living for the weekend? You're living, like, you're wasting 70% of your life, like, waiting for two days. Right. Which is so sad yeah. that we put in all of this time and energy and effort into the 70% of our week that we hate. And then maybe you have, like, a hobby or something you do on weekends yeah. that's only taking up 30% of your time. But I think my generation is maybe switching things. Oh, for sure. And I'm very pro the four-day work week, by the way. We could get into that. We could get into that. And maybe have that as a whole nother episode. Mm -hmm. But... If I can get five days of work done in four days, work four 10-hour days, I don't see what's wrong with that. Right. I have mixed emotions about it. Okay. However, we'll explore that for another time. Okay. That and the, what is it they're calling it? Quiet quitting? Quiet quitting. Quiet yes. quitting. I think a lot of people quiet quit before they actually walk away. And as someone who used to be in a leadership position... That would be really frustrating being a leader of those organizations, knowing mm -hmm. people have mentally checked out. Although, I mean, they had anyways, now there's just a label for it. Exactly. So it's not really anything new. It's just now they're calling it something, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Jumping around a little bit, there were pros and cons definitely to the way we approached our life. And security was definitely a big pro and we knew what was coming and when and how we played the game. And I'm using air quotes because it's definitely a game when you're navigating corporate life. But some of the pros were, yeah, I had benefits and a pension and a nice office and I had set vacation time and all 
things like that. And I worry for you and wonder if you worry about no pension being self-employed or no benefits being self-employed. And I know that, you know, you have different thoughts about where you might end up. But today, until just recently, you couldn't go to the dentist without paying for it. Yeah, I haven't been to the dentist since before the pandemic. And I can feel it. Mm -hmm. My teeth hurt. And I know that's something that I need to do. My glasses, I could use some some new glasses as well. My prescription's getting a little outdated. And those are things that, yeah, of course the pandemic had some effect on that, but I didn't want to pay out of pocket for that. That wasn't something I was interested in. And I even tried to get insurance for someone who's self-employed and it was astronomical, like the amount. And it did not make any sense. I was paying more than I was receiving in value. Right. So it just didn't make sense for me to get private insurance. But yes, just as of recently, I'm officially on the military reg force plan. Excellent. Very excited. I will be going to the dentist very soon. Excellent. Um, but yeah, that is something that is frustrating. It worries right. me, but I, I am grateful that we have universal health care. Yeah. And I did hear something recently that Potentially in the next election cycle, there's been a promise for um, universal dental for Canadians. Interesting. So okay. I, I, it's just a talking point, I believe, at this time. But it is something that I heard is at least being talked about, which would be wonderful. Interesting. And then what about if you became critically ill? So now I sound like my insurance self. You do. I know. If you had critical illness, loss Disability of life, or yeah. loss of employment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, insurance script. Exactly. Uh, but, I, you know, again, in my corporate life, I had short-term disability. I had long-term disability. So if I ever, you know, got some terrible disease and was in the hospital for six months, I was still going to get 80% of my pay. Mm -hmm. And that also is a nice big security blanket. And, well, I have to think about that now because I'm self-employed. So there's no loss of income if I, you know, if I stop working tomorrow because I get some terrible disease, I, we just don't make money anymore and I don't have benefits and I don't have long-term disability. And that does worry me. And there, you can buy insurance for that. But, again, it's crazy expensive. I also feel like I'm blessed to have dad and the security that comes with everything that he does. So mm -hmm. we wouldn't be homeless. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> we might have a different home, but we wouldn't be homeless. Yes. And I know a realtor who could help you find that different oh, excellent. home. excellent. Um, if you were looking to downsize. Great. Yes. I hear that there's some people who specialize in that. Yes. <laughs> so for you, gosh forbid, you get hit by a bus or something. Knock on wood. Right? You... Do you have a plan or have you thought about it? I've never thought about it. All it's right. never crossed my mind. So thank you very much for putting that in my head. You're welcome. Um, similar to you being self-employed, I do have the stability of a military partner who has a government insurance policy. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone at 22, or I'm not 22, 27, wow, <laughs> um, is thinking about critical illness, loss of life, and it is something I'm going to have to think about it. Right. Somewhat. You're Do you have me, life insurance? You're giving me a lot to think about. Through mass, okay, I'm sure so there no. is some sort of... No, <laughs> if I die, you no enjoy my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that we haven't necessarily talked about. But you probably should get some life insurance, particularly before you have children. Shit. <laughs> right. And also, do you have a will? No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a mess. We're having a moment of truth <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. No, I don't have a will. I don't have insurance. Uh, I do have a lot of t-shirts. Okay. And stock. Well, we'll sell those to pay for your funeral. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Excellent. <laughs> no, you're making turn. me think a lot about what I do and don't have. And 
honestly, like, I don't feel like my generation was educated on these things. Like, I, I was very fortunate to have insurance parents who talked about these things, and I knew about them growing up, but I feel like my generation thinks we're invincible. Right. Like, we're all like, who's going to get hit by a bus? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, but yeah, I mean, there's like, there's a flesh-eating disease going around the U.S. right now, and any of us could be taken out at any point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're keeping There's that in the podcast. crazy sound bites in this episode. We went in some weird directions. Literally. But yeah, we could any there was a pandemic for the last 3 right, years. Like no anything one, could happen. It's true. But we weren't raised, we didn't have home ec in school. We didn't have any financial literacy courses. I didn't learn what an RRSP was until and I might have just even said that wrong until like 4 years ago. Like I feel like my generation skipped a couple adulthood steps that maybe could have been taught a little more yeah however I would also say when I was so I this is something I want to talk about at some point in time and is now this we're a therapy way off course but you and I'm going to say you your brother your partner anybody I know that's under 30 you're so concerned about stuff that I didn't care less about in my 20s. Yeah. Like, you could tell me more about U.S. politics than I didn't even know who the Prime Minister of Canada was when I was 25. Let's be honest. I probably knew, but I didn't care. Yeah. And you know who the governor of each state is for some weird reason, which we can debate at another time. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's interesting because you know so much more about those things. And honestly, I didn't... I didn't start contributing to an RRSP until we were done paying for daycare. Okay. And that would have been, I was probably 35, because if I had you at 27 and your brother at 30, and then you were in daycare for five years, I didn't start contributing to RRSPs till I was 35, because we just took that money and said, well, we're used to this expense. Let's do something different with it now. And we just started directing it into RRSPs. Very smart. That was smart. Yeah. <laughs> However, it was 15 years late. I mean... You've been talking about RRSPs, let's call it, since you were 25. And so you're already 10 years ahead of me. And I don't know who taught me that. Because also it wasn't part of my education or my family teachings, let's put it that way. So I don't know where I got that either. But you're right. I think that there's a gaping hole in, call it our education system and or our parenting system to remember to be giving your kids those kind of real life skills. Mm -hmm. I think there's people who are doing better at it now. I would very much like for that to be a focus when I have children and give them real valuable life skills rather than, and this is obviously nothing against you guys, but you had full corporate jobs that you yeah. were worried about. And then you had to get me to gymnastics and like, there was no time to be like, this is what a stock is. <laughs> like it just like didn't, it wasn't no. important at yeah. the time. And I know obviously there's different ways to parent and like different ways to raise your children, but I want formal education and learning about our environment, whether it be like socially, financially, all of those things to be important. And maybe that's because I'm now with a partner who that is important to. Mm -hmm. uh, he was raised in a household where those types of things were very important. Mm -hmm. um, maybe he didn't have as much fun as me growing up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he's very well educated on those things. Yeah. And so I'm very grateful 
that yeah. I have someone who can kind of challenge me in those areas of life, but it wasn't something I was talking about growing up either. And even like you were saying now, like my generation is so active politically and so active in just knowledge of worldly events. But even when I was in university, I couldn't tell you any of my friends' political views. Right. I couldn't tell you my ex-partner's political views. And those were people you spent lots of times right. time with. Whereas like now I know a girl who I went to high school with who posted it on the internet about this specific thing and we just know so much about right. each other yeah. and it's if you're not talking about those things then you, you're hiding something is well, like I don't know what people, big, I don't think so but my generational <laughs> taboos were you don't talk about religion politics or money with anybody and now that's all we talk and about and now that is all people talk literally. about literally <laughs> interesting Okay, I think we've gone around a lot of topics. We yes. originally started talking about our approaches to employment, and there is definitely some interesting differences that we explored. We also, you know, went down a couple of rabbit holes about things we didn't surprise, and I think you had some epiphany moments. Yeah. Like, you should probably think about a will. Yes. Particularly before you start child rearing. I have nothing to give. <laughs> I own... You also might then want some life insurance. Maybe I would want you... some life insurance. Right. There's too many, like, dark things that you would have to contemplate in order to actually think about your life insurance, but you need to, or anyone needs to. And honestly, I think ours need revisited because I think you two are still willed to somebody, which obviously you're not going to need a caregiver. I want Kieran if you guys go. <laughs> I want Kieran in the will. So with that, I think we'll call it a wrap today because this was interesting and varied, but I do appreciate your input and your insights on lots of things and people do really resonate with this. These are series that we get great feedback on. So as always, thank you for your time today, Sarah Marie. Of course. I can't wait to come back and discuss another fun topic.